take our seats together, can I invite you to turn in God's word to the Psalms. And we're turning this evening to the Psalm number 32. The Psalm number 32. And it is a Psalm of David. The Psalm number 32. And you can see from the title, it's a Psalm of David Maskell. And the word maskal has to do with instruction. And so here is a psalm that is given for our instruction. And there are some 13 psalms that contain this particular title and this word maskal. And so we're reading from the Psalm 32, commencing at the verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer, Selah. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found, surely in the floods of great waters. They shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart." Amen. We'll end the reading there at the end of the psalm. And may the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. We take our seats together and let us turn in God's word to the Psalm 32, the psalm which we have read together. And as we come to this psalm, I would like to take as my text this evening the very first verse. Really, when we come to the psalm, the key is in the door. The key to opening up the psalm is found in the very first verse. And we want to just dwell upon this verse in the gospel this evening. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. 
This morning I mentioned that tonight I would be speaking on the greatest blessing of all. The greatest blessing of all. And from this verse you can see that that is God's forgiveness. And as we think about that in the gospel tonight, let us just unite together in prayer and ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his word. Our gracious God, our loving Heavenly Father, how we thank thee afresh tonight for the scriptures of truth. And we thank thee that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And we pray tonight that thou thyself would take up thine own precious and infallible word and send it forth, O God, not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but send it forth in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit this night. Do hear and answer prayer. Speak to hearts this evening. Bring the wandering ones to the Savior and glorify thy name in and through us. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. The forgiveness of sin is man's greatest need. And therefore, when it comes to experience God's forgiveness, we say that it is the greatest blessing of all. And of course, the forgiveness of sin is the need of everyone. All who are born of Adam's line need to be forgiven because we're born in sin and we're shapen in iniquity and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So it matters not tonight whether you're young or old, you're rich or poor. matters not about your color, your class or your creed or your background. What matters tonight is whether your sins have been forgiven. And for many in this meeting that I know have experienced the new birth and have known the blessing of sins forgiven, they would say with the opening words of this psalm and with uh, David the sweet psalmist of Israel, it's a blessed thing. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. It's a blessed thing. That word blessed, it appears in the original language of the Old Testament 45 times. 45 times this word is used in the Old Testament scriptures and 27 times it's translated blessed and on 18 occasions, it's translated happy. And that really shows us what the word means. Oh, it is such a blessed thing. And it is such a happy thing to know that your sins have been forgiven. There's a great joy that floods the soul when you know that the matter of your soul's salvation has been settled for all eternity. In fact, the word blessed here is actually uh, constructed in the plural and it has to do with the happiness, the happiness of knowing 
that your sins have been forgiven. That word is used in the very first psalm, isn't it? The blessed man. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Oh, the blessed man. That's what the psalmist speaks to us about. The happy man. The one who's saved. The one who is trusting in the Lord. The word is translated happy in Deuteronomy 33 and the verse 29. And there Moses penned the words, Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people saved by the Lord. People saved by the Lord. Happy art thou, O Israel. Here in Psalm 32, it's describing the blessed man. It's describing that happy individual and the reason for their blessedness is the knowledge that their sins have been forgiven. It's a blessed thing. We're saying it's the greatest blessing of all to know your sins forgiven. You may be familiar with the Sermon on the Mount that commences there in Matthew chapter 5 and the Lord begins to preach and as he preaches there, uh, the introduction to that psalm is taken up with what we call the Beatitudes. And the Lord uses the word blessed over and over again. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. The Beatitudes of the New Testament. And here in Psalm 32 and the verse 1, we could say it's a Beatitude of the Old Testament. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. It doesn't say blessed is the churchgoer. doesn't say blessed are the wealthy, blessed are the powerful, blessed are they that have been baptized, or blessed are they that uh, would attend the Lord's table. No, it's blessed are those that are forgiven, blessed are those that are pardoned. The greatest blessing of all. As we think about God's forgiveness in this verse of Scripture, I want you to think first about God's mercy in forgiveness. Because really we're guilty. We are hell-deserving sinners. We have transgressed God's holy law. We have broken God's commandments. And therefore we are deserving of hell. And yet when we open up the scriptures and we read the uh, gospel, we find that there is forgiveness with the Lord. And therefore it has to be based and grounded upon God's mercy because we're undeserving of it. The prophet wrote in Isaiah 55 and the verse 7, He will have mercy. He will abundantly pardon and there the prophet is linking up that pardon, that forgiveness with the mercy of God. He will have mercy. He will abundantly pardon. And if you were to look at any of the verses on forgiveness, on the subject of forgiveness, you would find that God's mercy is there. God's mercy is underlined and it's emphasized to us. You think of those 
beautiful words in Isaiah 43, in the verse 25. The Lord here is the speaker and he says, I, even I. And he's drawing our attention right away to the fact that it is the Lord himself. This, this is an act of God. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. And the Lord is saying this is what he does. This is an act of his mercy. I, even I, personal pronoun, the Lord who is under no obligation to forgive sin, the Lord who could have left man justly to go to a Christless eternity in hell, yet God in mercy stepped in. Justice would be crying out against us, but God's mercy. God in his mercy said, I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and that he will not remember our sins. Over in Jeremiah, the chapter 31 and the verse 34, there's another expression there that brings out the mercy of God in forgiveness. Just at the end of that particular verse in Jeremiah 31 and verse 34, the Lord says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. It's the Lord who will do it. The Lord moves in mercy to forgive sin. In Jeremiah 33, and in the verse 8, the Lord says, And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities, whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. The Lord again, using the personal pronoun to emphasize that it's his work on the basis of his love and his mercy. And he said, I will cleanse and I will pardon. Therefore, we see that forgiveness is an act of God on the ground of his mercy. And it is an amazing thing to think about that tonight, that the Lord would actually blot out our iniquities and blot out our transgressions, that they would be gone forever, that they would be remembered no more against us. He'll never cast them up to us. They've been cast into the sea of his forgetfulness. But as far as the east is from the west, so far... Has he removed our transgressions from us? He says, I'll remember them no more. It's a beautiful illustration of that. You think of the prodigal son. There he took the portion of goods that was to fall to him and he went off into a far country, as far away as he could get from his father. And there in that far country he wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he was down, just about as far down as he could go, he said, I will arise and go to my father. And when he retraced his steps back to his father, there was his loving father. And the loving father who ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And he said, get the best robe and put it on him. 
And he gave him a ring for his finger and shoes for his feet. The fatted calf will be killed. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. But what you'll not read off is the father casting up his sins. Noah's sins are not mentioned because the father has forgiven him. And that's a picture there with that uh, prodigal son of how the Lord receives the sinner. That's a picture of how the Lord deals with our sin. That when we come to him, the Lord says that he'll blot out our sins. And he'll remember them against us no more forever. And Paul was writing to the Colossians. Paul really describes it there in Colossians and the chapter 1. As you look down that chapter in Colossians chapter 1 and there to uh, the verse 21 and 22, the Apostle Paul says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Do you see how the forgiven sinner appears in the sight of God? They're holy, they're unblameable, and they're unreprovable in his sight. What a blessing it is to know God's forgiveness, to be forgiven. That's on the grounds of his mercy. God's mercy and forgiveness. But then I want you to notice, secondly, God's method of forgiveness. How does God forgive? You see, God is a just God. And as a just God, he cannot wink at sin. He cannot ignore sin. As a just God, sin and its consequences must be dealt with. Sin must be addressed. And what method does God use to address this matter? The Roman Catholic Church would tell us that the priest has the power to forgive sin. And that the Roman Catholic has just to enter into the confessional box along with the priest and confess their sins to the priest. And he claims to have the judicial power to pronounce their sins forgiven and to pronounce them absolved from sin. That's the teaching, that's the claims of the Roman Catholic Church. You remember in Mark chapter 2, you read about the man who was sick of the palsy. And his friends brought him to that house where the Savior was and they led him down through the roof to be before the Savior. That man had a double need. He had a physical need and he had a spiritual need. And the Lord addressed his spiritual need first. And the Lord said to him, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And there were those gathered within that house who were incensed when they heard the Lord make that statement. And they asked the question, who can forgive sins but God only? And they were right with that statement. Who can forgive sins but God only? 
And what they failed to realize was that the one before them was God manifest in the flesh. And the Savior was able to reply to them that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And we say to you tonight, it's not the confessional. It's not the priest. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who alone is able to forgive sin. The Roman Catholic Church would say there's another method. There's penance. Though the priest is able to prescribe some way for that individual to merit forgiveness, that after they have committed sins and they have confessed them, the priest can give them as some chores to do. And by doing penance, they can somehow earn that forgiveness from God on the authority of God's word. I say there's no such teaching in the Bible. No such claim, no biblical warrant, no biblical support. The Roman Catholic Church would say there's another method. There's purgatory. The place that they say the soul goes after death. And there in those purgatorial flames there is a cleansing and there is a purification to remove sin. And eventually, they never say how long, but eventually when that soul would then be purified, they can be released from purgatory after many masses have been said for them or indulgences have been paid for. Then they'll be released from purgatory and made ready for heaven. The Bible knows of no such method. The only ground... The only method of forgiveness that's taught in the Bible is through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who took our sins upon himself when he hung upon that accursed tree at Calvary. It was there that he suffered and bled and died for our sins. It was there that he paid the price for our redemption through the shedding of his precious blood. And tonight we can be redeemed, but only through the precious blood of the Lamb. Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 1 and the verse 7. He spoke of Christ, he said, in whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. Do you hear it tonight? It's through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And thank God tonight, the unsaved soul can come to Christ and be washed and be cleansed, and they can know the covering that the psalmist David is speaking about here. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, they've been pardoned, and whose sin is covered covered by the atoning blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the blessedness. That's the happiness. That's the joy tonight, being able to rejoice in the knowledge that your sins have been forgiven. Then thirdly, I want you to think about God's means of forgiveness. We see that 
God's mercy is in forgiveness. It's an act on the basis of God's mercy. We see God's method of forgiveness. It's only through the person and work of his dear son, through the cleansing blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what about the means? How can we obtain it? We say tonight it is by simple faith. By simple faith we come to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as he's freely offered in the gospel. We were singing at the commencement of our service the words of Fanny Crosby's hymn. And one of the verses puts it so well and it says, The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. That moment the soul comes to close in with God's offer of mercy. That's the very moment in time when they're born again of the Spirit of God. That's the moment when they're cleansed and washed and they're pardoned from sin. You come tonight, dear unsaved soul. You come repenting of your sin and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's forgiveness tonight. If we confess our sin, he, that's the Lord Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. In Acts 13 and verse 39, it speaks about our justification and it says we've been justified from all things. From all things. All our sins have been cast away cleansed in the precious blood of the Lamb. And faith is that channel through which forgiveness comes. Therefore, tonight, if you've never taken that step of faith, we would urge upon you the need tonight to take that step and to come to Christ and to know what it is to be forgiven. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. And that word forgiven also carries the thought of our sins being borne away, being taken away. It comes from the idea of the scapegoat that you read about in Leviticus chapter 16. And two goats were taken in Leviticus 16. One of those goats would be slain and sacrificed, its blood would be shed, and the other goat would remain alive. And the high priest would come to that living goat and he would put his two hands upon the head of that goat and he would confess the sins of the people. And there the representation was that he was laying the sins of the people upon that goat as he confessed them. And then that goat would be let go. And it would be allowed to run right into the wilderness and the thought there being that the sins of the people of Israel were being carried away. Our scapegoat tonight, our scapegoat is the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank God when we come to lay hold upon him by faith, it's as if we're placing our sins upon Christ our Saviour. He bears them away. John the Baptist said of Christ, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away. He 
taketh away the sins of the world. Know that tonight you would know that the Savior has borne your sins. And even there in his own body as he hung upon the tree, he has endured your punishment. He has endured the consequences of your sin. Tonight you know that your sins have been dealt with. You have a peace within your heart. You can say tonight, I know that blessedness. I know that happiness. There's no greater comfort for the soul. That's why we say it's the greatest blessing of all. Over in Isaiah, the chapter 40, the book of Isaiah takes on uh, really a whole new section from chapter 40 onwards. And it's from chapter 40 that the Lord would say to Isaiah, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. And so the Lord is instructing Isaiah here, and he's saying to Isaiah, bring them a word of comfort. Bring comfort to my people. They're in need of that comfort. They're in need of that consolation. And in verse 2, he says, Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Listen, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. O comfort, bring a word of comfort. And what is that word of comfort? Iniquity is pardoned. And knowing that iniquity is pardoned, surely that brings that peace. That brings that joy to the heart. And I say to you tonight, dear soul, that's where you find true comfort and happiness. That's where you get that foretaste of heaven. Knowing that your sins have been dealt with. Knowing that the matter of your soul's salvation has now been settled. And you could come even with Psalm 32 and the verse 5 and say, I acknowledged my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. All sin and all iniquity has been forgiven. Neither's pardon and there's peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord actually said to that man who was sick of the palsy in Matthew 9 and verse 2, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And you could know that good cheer tonight. Maybe you've come to the gospel meeting and you sit under the sound of God's word and your heart is troubled. Do you know you're not right with God? Maybe you come with a burden upon your heart and the Lord is striving with you and God has convicted you of your sin and you know tonight you're not ready and you're not prepared. But oh, that tonight you would know what it is to come to Christ. To put your faith and trust in him. And to know the greatest blessing of all. To know that happiness. And to know that blessedness. That your sins have been forgiven. May God bless his word to each of our hearts tonight. Let's just bow together in a closing word of prayer. Just as our heads are bowed. And God's people are praying. And I make that simple appeal in the gospel tonight. 
that invitation to the unconverted soul. Oh, if you're not saved, hear the words of the Savior. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you can come tonight. The Lord has promised him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. May the Lord give you grace to come. If I can be of any help to you when the meeting is over, do speak to me at the door or wait behind just where you are in the pew. It would be a joy tonight to take time with you, to open up the scriptures and to show you how the matter of your soul's salvation can be settled for all eternity. Our gracious God, our loving Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for an opportunity to preach Thy Word, and we ask that Thou wouldst take that which has been of Thyself, and Thou wouldst send it forth, O God, even into hearts tonight. May it be an encouragement to every child of God. May it be a challenge to any unconverted that have heard this night. And, O Father, that Thou wouldst grant to them that deciding grace that they would step out on the promise, would get under the blood, and would know that blessedness tonight that their sins have been forgiven. Separate us each one in thy fear and with thy blessing, and now may grace, mercy, and peace from the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, rest, remain, and abide with each one, both now and ever. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.